powered by Transistor FM. Welcome to friends, foes, and neither. Do not adjust your podcatcher settings because what you're about to hear is real. It's the Derek Duvall Show. Prepare yourself for pop culture, commentary, and interviews featuring no drama and no controversy guaranteed. And now, coming to you live to tape from the Derek Duvall Productions Bunker, it's Derek Duvall! Well, hello, Duvall Nation. Hello! Hi, everybody. How's it going? Thank you, everyone. Please. Thank you. Thank you. Please sit. Thank you. Hello, Duval Nation, and welcome to the Derek Duval Show. We are back with another fantastic journey into the lives of extraordinary people. Before we get into the episode, I want to say a huge thank you to my last guest, Bruce Wozniak. What an absolute gem of a man, and I was thrilled he took the time to come on the show. If you haven't had a chance to check out the interview, I encourage you to do so after the conclusion of this episode. Okay, folks, welcome to episode 106. We have a very good episode in store for you today. As a first for the Derek Duvall Show, we have professional surfer and entrepreneur Jeremy Ryan on the show. He'll be talking about surfing, dispelling a few movie myths, Mick Fanning's Great White Shark Attack, and the dangers of surfing, how he became a professional, and he'll be talking about his successful clothing line surf school and founding the Subtide Agency. Folks, lots to cover, so let's get Jeremy out here. Duval Nation, please rise to your feet and welcome all the way from Ventura, California, Mr. Jeremy Ryan. Jeremy, hello. Welcome to the Dark Duval Show. How is the weather out by you today? You know, today is actually, it's starting to feel like wintertime. It's, it's probably like, 20 mile an hour winds and uh we had a little rain last night and it's just kind of that clearing wind just kicking up and um yeah it's kind of chilly actually <laughs> it's sunny but chilly so i start my interviews off with the same question as how has it been for you to navigate the covid19 world um you know it hasn't really been that bad i've been lucky enough that i don't i don't know or have any anyone close to me that really suffer you know suffered from it so, you know, my heart goes out to those who have, but it's really, it's honestly, it's helped my business. I have a surf school. And so that started because of COVID, you know, because of everything was shut down. The kids didn't have, they couldn't go to summer camp. And so the parents just didn't know what to do. So once the beaches finally started to open up, that was like, let's go to the beach. And so the surfing was the activity. So I had a few moms ask, you know, can I teach their son or daughter? And I was like, yeah, I guess I, I'll do that. And started doing it. And then I just loved it. Fell in love with teaching beginners. And, um, and yeah, I like started my whole surf school that I have now. And it, now my surf school is, you know, thriving. I'm super busy. Yeah. So it's, mm -hmm. it's helped. And I also have a clothing company. And what that really did was because I never sat on a lot of product, I was, I do very small runs and a lot of print on demand and, it actually helped and increased my efforts because I was stuck on the computer at home. And then my, I just started doing more marketing and really like figuring out a way to tap into the marketing on the internet versus just being out there, you know? And, and so it actually was huge. Like it was a huge breakthrough for me. I learned a lot about how to grow the business and I was able to 
actually get the brand to really take off. So I've, I've been very, feel very fortunate. So every journey has a beginning. Where were you born? What was it like to grow up there? So I was born in Venice, California and grew up there just skateboarding and kind of just, you know, cruising around, getting into trouble as a kid all through Venice. And, but, um, didn't really start surfing until I moved up to Oxnard. So when I was 10, my dad's business that he was working for were moving up to this place called Oxnard. And I was like, what the heck is this? Like we're going to some place called Oxnard. So we ended up going up there and it's, it's an hour North of LA and it's just this small little town, little beach town, really quiet. It's more, it's mainly like a farm. Like they grow a lot of strawberries, a lot of agriculture. So we went up there and the waves are just amazing up there. Like, like we have world-class waves in that area. And so I had a lot of friends that I met that all surfed and that's where I just started surfing. And, and that's what led me to becoming a professional surfer because I had such good waves. It's way less crowded up here. It's just, it's just more conducive to, to surfing versus down in LA where it's just really packed. There's tons of people. Waves aren't that great did a lot of skateboarding, a lot of surfing. Yeah. It's a, a lot of really cool down to earth people up in this area. That's awesome. Yeah. So you are quite frankly, a very accomplished surfer. Taking it back to the beginning. Do you remember your first time on a board? I do. I do actually. So I was a boogie boarder from when I was, you know, like nine, eight or nine, I started boogie boarding and then came up here, moved up to, to Ventura and Oxnard and like, I still was boogie boarding and I had friends that surfed. My dad surfed at the time. So my dad was already surfing, but he, he never pushed it on me. So one day I remember I got out of the water on my boogie board and my dad had already got out and his board was on the beach. So I went up to him and I asked, I was like, can I try your board? And he's like, yeah, go for it. So I grabbed his big single fin surfboard, which was huge. It was like hard for me to get to the, to the water. Um, but I go out, and stand in about like waist high water and I, a wave breaks, it's like a whitewash and I just paddle and I stood up on my first wave and rode it. And, and when I did that, I remember going, wow, this is so much better than boogie boarding. <laughs> but yeah, so that was, I, I'll never forget that. I remember it to the T, like even the weather that day, it was sunny, no wind. Like I can fully remember that wave. How long did it take you to become a professional surfer? So I started, it, it took a little while. I started, I started when I was 11 and caught on to it pretty quickly and then started competing in amateur events when I was 13 and didn't do too well. I, I didn't really understand how to compete. So I, I was learning surfing, but competing is a totally different thing. It's just, you have to understand the criteria and, and what you need to do for the judges. And I just thought you just go out and surf and rip and do whatever you do normally. So I didn't have any structure. So I struggled for, for actually a long time. I had only won a few amateur events and these are not big events. I always felt like I surfed better, if not the same, but maybe a little better than a lot of my competitors, but I was always losing and I couldn't figure it out. And then I did this contest, which was the NSSA national championship which is it's all the best from hawaii Flor like the east coast florida and everywhere new jersey and then california and they all come together and this is down in um, san clemente california and i did that event for two years in a row and i lost first round every time like just done like no chance 
And then the third year I went and did it, I was 19. There was a coach that I knew and I saw him before my first heat before I went out on the heat. And he gave me a little bit of advice of like basically what the judges want to see. And I went out, I did it and I won the heat. And I was like, oh, okay. So then I made that heat. The next heat, I did the same thing, won that heat, won the next one. And I ended up winning the entire event. And at that moment, at that point, I had no sponsors. I was just a, like nobody, like I was so underground and I ended up winning. And with that win, I mean, it was, it was like the, pretty much the most prestigious win you could have as an amateur. So I went from like zero to like that. And then because of my age and, you know, I was getting bigger. I was like, you know, I, I just decided I'm going to try a pro pro contest. So I tried a pro contest like a, like a month later. I made the final in that. And that's when I just realized like, okay, I'm, I'm done with the amateur events. I, I'm going to just pursue this. And then at that point I was able to get a sponsor and cause I've kind of, I proved myself and then it like my pro career started. What kind of purses do they bring down first place? Back then it was, um, surfing, surfing just recently has started to actually get some money behind it with sponsors, but it was like for the event, for the first pro event I did i made the final i think first place was like five grand oh wow so okay. yeah now it's like now it's like 50 50 grand 100 grand <laughs> like it's just it's a big difference yeah. <laughs> um so so when i told uh my listeners you're gonna be on the show i told a few people on on twitter and they asked some missing questions to me i picked the most intelligent of them if it's okay i'd have to ask oh, you that'd be great. Yeah, the first one is what do the movies get right and wrong about surfing <laughs> I guess it depends which movies. Yeah, it's funny. I was just talking about this to somebody the other day because uh, Point Break, Point Break's on Netflix right now, so we're 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 laughing about that the other day. But it just depends, you know. Like, I think they just just like Hollywood, like anything, they they sometimes embellish a little bit. So when with the way surfers act and the lingo, you know, the Spicoli, you know, like bro, it's <laughs> so rad. Like like we don't really talk like that. Not. No, no real surfers talk like that. I guess the biggest thing in movies that I see that's kind of makes me laugh is you'll see somebody take a wave and they'll be regular foot, right? So their left foot is forward and then they, it shoots to a new scene of that same person on the same wave and now they're goofy foot. So their right foot's forward. So they get a little inconsistent with that. And I don't think the average person catches it. But I, but all this, anyone who surfs catches it right away. It's like, who is that? That's not even the same wave. Next question was kind of interesting. I guess we had to look it up on YouTube. Apparently, there's a surfer named Mick Fanning who got had kind of a rough and tumble with a great white. Oh, yeah. Have you uh, ever had an encounter with any of the sea predators? So I have not with a shark. I did have a seal attack me one time. And up until that point, I was always... I was very fond of seals. <laughs> if, if I saw a seal, I'd be like, oh, look at the seal. And I'd paddle near them and I wouldn't, you know, and they yeah. would, you know, I've had them like try to jump on my board before, but like just as like a friendly thing. And, and, uh, but one time I was sitting out there and I was one of the farthest guys out. I was sitting there, there was no waves. So it was like a flat, it was like a flat lull where, where when the waves die down, it's called a lull where it's like, you know, every three or four minutes sets come, bigger waves come. But, Anyway, I'm just sitting there and, and I remember being the farthest one out. I'm looking and I looked about probably, I don't know, like 20 yards out. And I saw this seal pop up and he was kind of popped his head up and he was looking at me. He was kind of moving towards me, like towards the shore a little bit. And 
and I was watching him and he's getting closer and kind of like where eyes are kind of locked, like we're kind of looking at each other. And, and I thought it was kind of strange, but I'm like, Oh, it's interesting. You know, I was just kind of bored sitting there. So I'm looking at the seal and he's getting closer and closer. And, and once he got to about like 10, 10 yards away, he, he really started to gain speed and his head started lifting out a little higher. Like his, his half torso was stick like sticking out of the water and really coming at me. And I was sitting there and I hear a couple of people like that were sitting behind me kind of go, what? Like I could hear people like noticing what's happening. I'm sitting there like, okay, when's he going to slow down? <laughs> and he just kept coming and he got to about three feet away from me or four feet away from me. And he started gaining speed and he, I could tell he was going to like either try to lunge at me. And I kind of leaned back a little bit. I was sitting on my board. I kind of leaned back and he jumped and like with his teeth out, like went right at me. Like he wanted to bite me. So I lifted my board and I hit him with my board and then he went under and I was like sitting there like, what the heck just, ha-? everyone just freaked out. Everyone's like paddling away. And then he came up on the left, on like on my left and kind of snorted at me and I splashed him and then he went under and then I just, I just started paddling and got the heck out of there. So ever, ever since that day, I've always, when I see a seal now, I'm always kind of like, like a little weird of him. But um, I have seen I have seen sharks, but I've never had like an incident like Nick Fanning's where I felt like I was threatened. I just kind of saw him and I I would just kind of like, you know, maybe it's time to like go in, you know, but luckily nothing aggressive like that was crazy what Nick had to deal with because that place that he was at is so known for sharks. And that was a big shark. <laughs> and and like there was jet skis out there, but to, that could come help them, but they were very far away. So it, that yeah. was a, that was a very scary situation. It's one of those things like I, I, I had a gentleman on the show uh, a couple actually about two years ago now. And he basically sits down in Venice and he films sharks from a drone above. And you see these young juvenile great whites interact with surfers and they just, they just don't want anything to do with them. Like, Oh, curious. And they'll paddle away. From what I understand, like different parts of the world, it's a little more, it's a little more different from what I hear. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and there are so many sharks out there. Like people don't realize when you're out there, how often sharks are passing us that we just don't know because they're, they're not looking for us. Like very few of them, they don't want to bite a person, but they get hungry and they look up and they see a shadow and they don't really know. But there are places where they're very big sharks so we're very small and easy prey and and that those are the spots like south africa australia you know hawaii there's some spots that are sketchy because you're just way out there in the ocean right. and but um crazy but yeah sketchy <laughs> <laughs> so what goes through your head when you're riding a wave the best way i can i can explain it is and i don't want to sound corny but it's like it's kind of like time just kind of stands still because at the moment, because every wave's different, right? There's no two ways, unless you're in a wave pool, every wave's somehow different, okay? So when you get up to really ride the wave properly, you can't be thinking about something that's happened earlier or something that you have to do later. So, you know, you have to be in the moment. And so for me, it's really like my meditation. If I don't surf for a couple of days, I get irritable. Like I feel it in my body. It's weird. Like it just, it's just this thing where that's my meditation. And when I'm out there, it's just a nice way to just clear your mind. So, right. So some days I go out there and I have like a game plan, like, okay, I want to work on a certain maneuver or I want to work on this or that. And then some days I go out and I just, I'm like, I just need want to get some exercise. So the goal is like 
paddle as fast as hard as I can. Like, let's keep the body moving. Let's wake everything up. And then sometimes it's more of like more of a Zen, like relax, catch a couple, say hi to people, be, have like more of a positive vibe. And so every day is different, but the moment you do stand up, you're so focused on what's happening. Cause it's only like a few seconds, mm-hmm. you know, like most waves aren't that long. It's like you're on the way for five to maybe 15 seconds. If that's like the longest that's, and that's a long wave. So kind of like a, a quiet mind, you surf the best when you're, when your mind's quiet. Okay, Duval Nation, we're going to go ahead and take a small break right here, but we'll be right back with the conclusion of this interview with Jeremy Ryan. May I suggest you take this time to refresh that drink and take some super long, deep breaths, you know, Cluzo style. Out with the bad air, in with the good. Out with the bad air, in with the good. Give a couple friends of the show your attention, and we will be right back. What's going on, everyone? This is your girl, Julene, host of It Goes Down in the PM. We talk about everything from work, motherhood, local celebrities to comic books. Tune in every Friday at 1 o'clock to find out what really goes down in the PM. Nation, Derek and Mindy Duvall here to talk about Jerky Pro, the standard in premium beef jerky products. The Derek Duvall Show and Derek and Mindy's Fun With Movies is proud to be sponsored by the team at Jerky Pro. As a veteran, I am always the first to support veteran-owned businesses. Setting up shop in 1987 and founded by military and paramilitary veterans, they have set the bar for how beef jerky is processed, flavored, packaged, and sold. With strict quality control standards, Jerky Pro offers many flavors that are sure to please any beef jerky connoisseur. From the standard original flavor to honey glazed, peppered, teriyaki, sweet barbecue, or if you're brave enough, the fierce red hot, there are many flavors guaranteed to entice your palate. Offered in various sized packaging, use promo code DUBAL37, all in capital letters, at checkout to receive a 5% discount. Remember, folks, if your beef jerky is not making your mouth water, then it's not Jerky Pro Beef Jerky. Jerky Pro, the standard in premium beef jerky products. Hey, do you have a podcast or maybe you're just thinking about starting a podcast? Well, I am Chris from Podtastic Audio, and here I show you tips and tricks on how to make your audio sound the best it possibly can with the gear you already have. With two years of experience on the Chris and Christine show creating the finest audio I possibly can make, I will show you the tips and tricks I have used on that show to make the audio sound fantastic. So if you have any podcast-related questions to your audio, you always can email me at podcasticaudio at gmail.com like this guy here did. His name is Joe. Joe writes in from the cast. 
Hey, Chris, when we all sit down together to record our episode, our audio is too low and it has a lot of echo in the recording. How do we make our show sound better? Well, Joe, is the microphone you're using rhyme with the name Betty? And is that microphone in the same room with you? I'd start with that stuff first. And for more podtastic audio information, you can go to anchor.fm slash podtastic audio and you keep on making your amazing podcast. Hi, it's Michelle Fabre, and you can hear my new single, Last Chance for Love, on Spotify, Apple Music, and all other streaming platforms. Last chance for love, last chance for love, can we make it? Just tell me so. Teachers, do you ever have these feelings or have been told these things? Do you want Kleenex for your classroom? Maybe you should think about buying your own with your own money. You get the summer off, you can have a second job. Do you really need a pay raise? Oh, do you need to use the restroom? Maybe you can do that in the three minutes while students are changing classes. Boy, sure hope your room doesn't descend into Lord of the Flies in that time. Oh, things are going pretty good for one. Surprise! Budget cuts! Well, you're in luck because we've got a book just for you. Hi, everyone. It's Katie Kinder, educator, speaker, and author of Untold Teaching Truths. I invite you to purchase my book and join this journey as we talk about the wild world of public education. Part memoir, part strategy. It is available on BookBaby, Amazon, or wherever books are sold. Teach on Warriors. We've got this. Janae Sergio, arriving. Hello everyone, this is Janae Sergio, life coach, combat veteran, and best-selling author. I invite you to purchase my new book, Perfectly Flawed, a veteran's journey from homeless to hero. In these pages, you will learn about the lowest struggles of my life to the absolute triumphs that have made me the strong woman I am today. Follow along as I talk about homelessness, my naval role in Operation Enduring Freedom, navigating insurmountable odds, and how I dealt with and overcame them. You can find Perfectly Flawed on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or wherever books are sold. Welcome back to episode 106 of the Derek Duvall Show. Let's get right back to it with the conclusion of our interview with professional surfer Jeremy Ryan. Last surfing question, and we'll get on to uh, your your product lines. Uh, What is your absolute bucket list dream location to surf? I would say... So I haven't been to Nicaragua yet, and I have so many friends that are going down there constantly, and and just looks in, insane. But I would say like Fiji, Tavarua, Fiji. I've probably surfed one of the best waves in Indonesia, which is Jilan, which that wave is just amazing. It's I think Fiji would just would be the one for me. Mm-hmm. Clear clear water, warm water, beautiful landscape. You know, like just that that perfect scenario. You know. I've never been on a board, but we were in Hawaii last year. Uh, first time I've been been Hawaii since I got back from the Navy. You hear stories about the North Shore, the the waves up there that are you know super Huge. high, and I, I can't even imagine fathom surfing something like that. So it's scary. I went last year, but before that, I took a few years off from going to Hawaii. I try to go once a season, 
in the winter time. But that first like few sessions, when you come from just surfing California, even though I know how to surf, I, I understand the whole thing. It takes it, even for me, it takes some time to adjust because the boards are bigger. The there's more water moving, holds you under longer. Like there's the power in Hawaii is, is, is real. And it's, you do have to be careful yet. You do have to train. Like it's, it's the, the guys that take those really big waves They're the training regimen you have to do is really, it's, it's intense. Like you got to make sure that if you go in there for a while, you're good. You're going to come up, you know, you can hold your breath. Yeah. All right. So how long did your education in graphic design take? I went to school. It was about a year and a half. It was a trade school specifically just for web design, graphic design, and uh, a little bit of marketing. I was surfing professionally and then my sponsor at the time when i was 30 went bankrupt and so i lost my sponsor i didn't know what to do so i i had a buddy that i used to travel with when we would surf and and we'd go surf all of us would go back to the room we'd watch like surf videos but then my buddy would pull up his laptop and he'd be like working and like building a website for somebody i remember i remember one day i asked him like what are you doing he's like i'm just building this website i'm like you're getting paid he's like yeah I'm like, so you can get paid when you're traveling in Australia, like with, with all of us. So, so once I, once I knew that, I was like, okay, that's, that's what I want to do. I want to be able to travel and I want to be able to, to be, be that nomad, you know, where I can just travel wherever, make my money and, and enjoy life. And so when that happened, I started looking for schools and, and whatnot, but I ended up going to, there was a local school called Vance. It's called, it was called TDC technology development center at the time, but they changed it. But, um, yeah, it was like a year and a half course full time. And then you just learn a little bit of everything to kind of get your, your, you know, your mind wrapped around what every, all the digital aspects that you need to learn. And then from there, I just started my own business and then just started doing, doing that. And, um, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So what led you to found Subtide? So Subtide, we've had a few design businesses over the years and it's kind of evolved. So this one, Subtide, Subtide evolved to more of a marketing business now. So now, we, you know, we built so many websites. I've been doing it for over 10 years and we'd build a website and then basically just say goodbye to the client. The client leaves. They have a great website, but no one knows they have one because you got to market them. So we, we missed that whole piece when we first started. So now the, the majority of our focus and our clients is like, okay, we can build a website, but how do we get people to your website? So we just kind of rebranded it as more of a marketing, a marketing approach. And that's the goal that we're trying to help other customers and clients, you know, to kind of get the traffic, because I'm sure, you know, with your podcast and everything, the hardest part is getting people to your platform, right? There's so many things out there, right? It's, it's just, it's bombarded with stuff on the internet. So the key is like, what are the tricks in order to, or not tricks, but techniques in order to get people to see what you're doing and then you grow the brand, right? So that was just a rebrand. It's basically the same, the same business. We just kind of rebranded it. What has the reception to that been? Been really good. Um, we we have a team of people. We used to do all the work ourselves, and that's another. That was another thing that we learned was you just it's just too much work, you know. So so now we have a team. We have we have an SEO specialist. We have we just have we have specialists for social media. We we have everything kind of together. And so whatever my partner and I can't do, we can pass it on to somebody so that we can knock this stuff out. So we're way more efficient now. We just created just a better business model to, to, to be more efficient. Mm -hmm. 
That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. All right. So if someone today is listening to this show and says, you know what? I think I can give surfing a go. What advice would you give them? I would suggest to take a few lessons first. So there's, there's so many different factors. Like I get a lot of, I get a lot of questions like what board do I ride? You know, where should I surf? You know, some, some spots are more user-friendly, some boards are more user-friendly. So it really just depends on getting the right board, going to the right surf spot and learning a few foundational techniques in order to start that process. Because if you start learning bad habits, I have so many students that have been surfing for two years and I, and I see what they're doing and I'm just like, Oh my God, we got to start from the beginning. Like this is all wrong, you know? And, and, and so I think just spending the money, taking the time to learn the foundational elements right off the bat is huge. Yeah. All right. So I always like to ask one fun question. And this is kind of based on what you said earlier, this might be a, a moot point, but when you aren't surfing, mm -hmm. what do you like to do to relax? Are there any shows or music you're into? So obviously I love music. Uh, it's a big part of surfing. It's a, it always has been. My main thing I've really been into lately is golf i played i played like eight years ago for a few years and i had an injury and it kind of kept me out of golf for a while and then when i went back to it after a couple of years i was so bad that i was like i think i'll take a bit longer break <laughs> but but you know since the COVID thing you know when COVID hit actually it was like what can i do like i can surf but i, I want to do i want to do something else to break it up so i started golfing and and i have a big group of friends that that never really quit when I quit. So now they're like really good. So now I'm playing with these guys. They're like almost scratch golfers. I'm trying to keep up, but yeah, I've been, I've been really enjoying like playing like once a week and hitting the range, you know, hopefully once or twice a week and just kind of take my mind off my day to day and, and surfing, you know, nice little break. All right. So what's uh, next for Jeremy? Uh, well for me, so come December, mid December, we're having our first uh, baby boy little little nervous but very excited about that that change and um how that's gonna how that's gonna go um but yeah i'm just gonna just trying to keep growing the businesses you know i i i love growing businesses and working with other brands and like i just i i love the complication of it it's it's why i kind of stopped doing just the web design because there's there's nothing to that really it's more of just you're just creating something but this there's so many intricacies to marketing and 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 finding ways to to navigate this crowded lineup, so to say, <laughs> like in the ocean, and um, and yeah, and then and so doing that, and then my clothing line, just trying to keep that, trying to keep that going on, you know, on the budget I have, and everything, everything with that, it's all out of my pocket. So I, I do small runs, I sell it, I put the money back in. I've just been, it's like my passion project, right. and um, and yeah, just surf as much as I can, and and travel travel as much as i can and teach my biggest thing right now that i have that makes me the happiest is just teaching surf lessons and being at the beach and if i can if i can continue that and keep that going you know i'll be i'll be extremely happy in my life say if you go to work every day doing something that you love you never work a day in your life you know exactly i mean i i wake up on on monday and i'm so so pumped to start like there's there's never a time where I'm bummed about all the lists and I have lists on lists of things I need to be accomplishing. And I look at it and it's just, I'm, I just feel good. Like there's nothing I'm, I'm dreading 
you know, with my, with my life as far as work goes. So I, I really, I really feel fortunate about that. That's amazing. All right. So as we begin to wind down this interview, what is the best way for my listeners to follow your adventures online? Uh, well, on Instagram, I'm Jeremy Ryan, double underscore. My main website is jeremyryanlife.com. That kind of has like a little bit of everything I have. And I'll be updating that, you know, constantly. The clothing line website is Ruit Clothing. So R-U-E-T-T clothing.com. Uh, my surf school is SPF surfschool.com. So SPF like play off sunscreen. Um, and then obviously subtide agency is our marketing, our marketing business. So yeah, any one of those, or you could always just DM me on Instagram or, you know, reach out. However, that's awesome. Yeah. All right, Jeremy, I am my interviews with my favorite question. The question is this, if the entire planet was listening to this broadcast, what would be the one thing you want to say to the people of earth? I would say just be true to you. So do whatever it is that you do, do it because you love it and and do it because you truly want to do it. That's awesome. All right, Jeremy, congratulations on your success. And of course, your impending uh, birth. I, all, all my best of luck to you in that department, man. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Th- thanks. And thank you so much for having me on here. It was, it was great talking to you. Oh, it's not a pleasure. It's, believe it or not, it's been an absolute pleasure. You're my first surfer, so. Yeah. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> awesome. All right. And just like that, Devon Nation, we come to the end of episode 106. I want to thank Jeremy for taking the time out of his very busy schedule to speak with me. As he mentioned a few minutes ago, Jeremy now has a beautiful baby boy that was born a week or so ago. So congratulations to him and his family. What a gem of a man, and I am so happy we got him to come on the show. Okay, folks, tune in again next time as we showcase another extraordinary person. I have a really good one coming up in a few days, so to be sure to keep checking your favorite podcast streaming channel for that episode to drop. Okay, a few housekeeping items before we close out today. As always, have you had a chance to check out our store on TeePublic? We have everything from magnets, stickers, and mugs. Plus, we have a carefully curated collection of t-shirts put together by myself and Mrs. Duvall. Be sure to go to our website, DerekDuvallShow.com. Look on the banner on the left that says Merch. Click that, and you'll be taken to our store on TeePublic. And we want to thank TeePublic for being such great partners. On behalf of the entire team here at the Derek Duvall Show, I want to say to each and every one of you listening to please do your part to help those less fortunate than yourself this holiday season. As I mentioned earlier, the pandemic ruined a lot of lives financially, so good people right now are struggling. Please help however you can during the season of giving, be that donating a blanket or going to help at a homeless shelter. Like I said, we are all in this struggle together. Nostar, God bless, and see you next time, Planet Earth. This has been a recording of The Derek Duval Show, and we thank you for listening. Please go to our website, DerekDuvalShow.com, to explore past episodes and find links to purchase merchandise. Please subscribe to our social media channels on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Derek Duval Show.